This is The Every Lawyer, presented by the Canadian Bar Association. This episode is proudly brought to you by CBIA Lawyers Financial. Visit lawyersfinancial.ca to learn about exclusive financial solutions to help you build and protect wealth. Welcome to The Every Lawyer, a Canadian Bar Association podcast. I'm your host, Marlies Silver-Sweeney. Have you had one of those travel moments when things go wrong? I'll never forget being pickpocketed in the tube in London or followed around really menacingly in a market in Casablanca. But what about if the travel incident could affect your legal practice? I know, it's a scary thought, right? Today's the third episode in our series exploring the Young Lawyer International Program funded by Global Affairs Canada. And you might have already guessed it, but our topic today is what happens when things don't go according to plan. We'll talk to legal interns around the world about the funny and the scary moments when our carefully laid plans go awry. Our journey today focuses on Africa, and our first stop is Nairobi, Kenya, where we're meeting with Sheru Abdul Hussein. She's stationed at the Katiba Institute, working to promote social transformation by implementing the country's 2010 constitution. Sheru, thank you so much for joining us from Nairobi right now. That's really exciting to have you. Um, The focus of our interview today is when things go wrong, but I wanted to start on a positive note. And what's gone right? Do you have a moment, experience, or project that worked out really well? Uh, Yeah, so in terms of um, things that have gone right, a lot's gone right. Okay. Um, My time here, I would say, overall has been pretty amazing and transformative for me. It's hard to kind of narrow it down, but um, the uh, Katiba Institute does a lot of public interest litigation and Mm -hmm. there have been, uh, well, they're always involved in very high profile cases. And so there's been a few that have I've worked on during my time here. And so um, highlights would be working on, uh, for example, submissions for a case that is uh, going to be heard at some point this year by the Supreme Court of Kenya. Oh, wow. Um, And it's, yeah, it's a case where um, uh, an entire community that was living in an informal settlement was um, forcefully and illegally evicted. Um, And so that is going in front of the Supreme Court. And yeah, so working on the submissions for that was uh, definitely a highlight. And did you get to draft them and do research for them? Or what did your work look like? Yeah, so I mean... I think one of the things that I've really enjoyed about the office is when there's big cases like this, mm-hmm. um, we kind of take a teamwork approach. So it's um, the whole set of submissions is divided and people tackle a different part. So I did research and then ultimately end up drafting submissions for particular issues. Um, the entire submissions were very extensive, let's just say. I bet. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very, uh, it was a great experience kind of working with an entire team to to prepare that and have it come together. So I'd say that was a a big highlight in terms of work. Sounds like your work was really fulfilling. Have there been any scary moments when your stomach drops and you think, "Uh uh-oh, I did this part of the submissions incorrectly or this was messed up or has it all gone really according to plan? Um, I think there's definitely, like, I mean, in terms of things going wrong in the work context, I think there's been a few situations where you know, for example, I've maybe needed more time with something um, and, you know, 
feeling that, you know, that feeling when you feel like you're not going to meet a deadline right. uh, is always a scary one. Mm-hmm. And um, so for things like that, especially because some of the work is very time sensitive because of, especially if it's litigation oriented or even tied to um, projects where there's donors who are waiting for results at particular times. Um, that's That can be a scary feeling. So, I mean, when that's happened, I've I've been able to communicate well with my colleagues about my feelings around those types of situations. And so it's not um, something that's kind of uh, the pit in the stomach hasn't lasted. Okay. Yeah. And that sounds something that sounds very similar to what happens in, in a Canadian legal career, too, right? Like it doesn't sound like it's outside the norm of a legal career. For sure. No, definitely not. Okay. And how about living and traveling in Kenya? Has everything gone according to plan or have there been any moments where things have not? So in terms of living in Kenya, so um, one of the things that's been maybe like not gone according to plan, finding a place was something that was a bit of a challenge. So I mean, there's actually like a lot of different places to find accommodations um, in Nairobi. There's a expat housing groups and that sort of thing. Um, But I definitely, so when I first came, I was staying in an Airbnb and then I moved to a place that was short term, like kind of a short term sublet. Okay. And after the holiday break, I once again had to look for a place um, because the short term uh, situation had ended. So I did move a few times, which to be honest, like it wasn't really, it wasn't something that I was expecting, but it also wasn't necessarily the worst thing like it allowed me to experience living in a few different places and just getting a feel for different parts of the city which was interesting because Nairobi is really diverse and do you have to vet your safety a bit more than you would in Canada like is there more concerns when you're looking for somewhere to live not really I would say like people are at least in the the places where I was looking which are primarily Airbnb and then Facebook groups which are for housing for expats, Mm -hmm. Um, things are pretty clear and you can easily go and view the place. And it's quite, um, I would say I felt quite safe. Another thing I would say that's a a bit of a challenge in Nairobi is um, the process to be able to get your uh, internship pass, which is something that you're ideally supposed to have. It's the rules around immigration are a bit mm, confusing, let's say. Okay. And so that's something that also is kind of mm, something to uh, anticipate and prepare for um, in terms of coming to Nairobi. You might think that you'll be getting an internship pass, but you may instead be renewing a tourist visa um, so that you're able to kind of keep going. Oh, okay. And yeah. And so is that something that you have to do right now? And do you have to leave the country to renew your tourist visa? Or what does that look like? No, I'm fine. Um, but it's just uh, it's just something where it takes a long time for that type of a pass to come through. Okay. And it's a bit difficult to get any updates on the process. Mm. So something where, um, you know, the, the immigration rules here have changed and often change, we'll say. Okay. And so it's just <laughs> be mindful of and not to kind of get frustrated with, which I think at the beginning it was something that made me nervous because I wasn't sure when I was going to receive this pass and when I would have to stop um, relying on 
visitors visas or visitors passes um, to stay in the country. Right. Okay. Thanks. So that's a really good piece of advice, actually, for future interns is to, you know, just take a deep breath and get in those lines and, and, you know, fill out your paperwork. Okay. That's actually leads me to my last question for you. And what's one piece of advice you'd have for future interns to avoid maybe some of the pitfalls that you've made? Um, so in terms of um, advice, so one of the things that I wanted to just talk about briefly was, um, you know, before I came to Nairobi, mm-hmm. um, shortly before that, I experienced what I would call a personal crisis. And that made even the process of coming here a lot more challenging. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, lucky enough to be able to push my start date uh, by about a month with the support of CBA. And that was really helpful. Um, but I would say in terms of pitfalls, I would say the main major pitfall for me was kind of my pre-departure, what I was going through. Okay. And I would say in terms of for anybody who is struggling with um, whatever they might be struggling with, I think um, having a good support network, both at home and then trying to look for that um, amongst colleagues, whether it's in the program. And I was I had the benefit of, you know, getting support from people who were in completely different countries, but participating in the Wilet program. Mm-hmm. So being able to kind of discuss uh, what you're going through with people who are in the same situation and also with uh, friends and family back home. And then also finding that and kind of trying to build that and nourish that in the place that you're in. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I was uh, I sort of constantly sought to do here, whether it was forming friendships at work or outside of work. I benefited from having an extremely, extremely supportive uh, work environment here. And um, I think just like focusing on building those connections that will see you through some difficult times and through uncertainty and, you know, all of the things that you can imagine you might face um, going abroad, such as, you know, being homesick sometimes, loneliness, um, and some of the uh, some of the other things that come with being in a new place, even if you aren't um, struggling with um, with something larger than that. Okay, that's an excellent piece of advice, and I think that's a great way to end to for future interns to really make sure that you uh, are building those support networks, and they don't have to. I mean, they should hopefully geographically be there as well, but also reaching out to people um, around the world if and when you need to, and really working on cultivating that those strong relationships that will see you through the tougher times. After the break. There's a specific street that's completely fine, and then you move over just like past an intersection or just over to the next street, and it's just completely not fine. Today's tip of the day is brought to you by CBIA Lawyers Financial. Effective networking is an important skill for all lawyers, but especially for solo practitioners. Being on your own can be isolating at times, and it's important to have a network of people you can call on to share ideas or ask for advice. Building a network will also help position you in your community as the go-to person for a specific skill or practice area. This can help lead to business development opportunities. The more people know what value you bring, the more they can refer you. Networking isn't just about meeting as many people as possible. It's about meeting the right people, maintaining contact, and cultivating relationships. 
Networking is a two-way street. The more value you give to your network, the more value you will receive in return. Lawyers Financial has interviewed a number of solo lawyers to discuss the benefits and challenges of this career choice. Through videos, they talk about freedom, the challenges of running a business, and the need to network. To learn more, visit lawyersfinancial.ca slash blog and filter articles for sole practitioners. Our next stop is Durban, South Africa, where we're meeting with Adimofe Oyi Adeniran. She's working at the Legal Resources Center, assisting lawyers there with research, writing, and evidence gathering. Hi, Adimofe. I know we're talking about negative things today, but I want to start with what's been the best experience you've had so far with your internship? Oh, the best experience. Um, There's so many great experiences. I would say that traveling has been great. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I went to Cape Town and it's just such a beautiful place. Um, And it's also been great meeting Um, So many South Africans um, with different personalities and exploring Mm -hmm. the cities. So just being in South Africa and exploring everything has been great. Okay, so the immersion in the country and the culture and the people. Yes, yes. And then so um, I went hiking close to Durban. So that was great. Um, And I went hiking in Cape Town as well. So I really do like having the opportunities of going to different mountains and hiking them up. I'm not the greatest at hiking, but... It's, it's, it's really just, just getting to the top and seeing the view is really rewarding. Okay, yeah, so some nice, some nice hikes, some nice views. Sounds like there's been lots of positive moments for you in Durban. Uh, how about any mishaps, particularly when it comes to the work that you're doing? Uh, has anything gone wrong or not according to plan or, you know, any stomach-dropping moments when you think, oh, I messed this up? Yeah. Um, in terms of work, um, that doesn't happen um, usually. Um, I know that sometimes there's like when I've been working on files with the lawyers, there's been um, kind of like misinformation put on documents. But then like the easy solution is just usually to um, to just draft a new document or, or make a new document. So um, nothing has gone completely wrong in terms of work related where I'm involved. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great to hear. Um, what about living and traveling around South Africa? So you told us that you've been to Cape Town, you've been hiking. It's been part of the most rewarding aspects of this internship. Have there been any dangerous moments or moments where you felt maybe you were a bit short-sighted or not as planned as you could be? So in terms of traveling, it's actually been very fine. I traveled alone um, over my break, and I had a lot of my friends giving me very cautious advice. So I was mm-hmm. I was very cautious. Um, and a lot of places I didn't go alone. I met new friends as I was traveling, and so I was going places with people. Um, I will say that there, um, there are some places um, that you'll go to and it's complete there's a specific street that's completely fine and then you move over it's just like past an intersection or just over to the next street and it's just completely not fine okay. um and I, I've only been in that situation once and I just walk really fast and I usually just know where I'm going to my phone isn't out um so I've been fine um but I, I think that Durban there have been some mishaps while I've been in Durban, okay. Um, but and I think also because I'm I'm more comfortable here as the months go by. Um, right. But for example, um, one of the um, 
um, the times I was going hiking, I decided to do my laundry. And so I hung them on the laundry line. Um, and so I lived in an apartment complex and there were walls around it with barbed wire. And then there was a little compound where you can hang your clothes. Um, but this time I decided to go alone at like 10.30 p.m. Mm -hmm. And so I hung up all my, my laundry. Something in my gut was telling me not to do it, but I, I just oh. thought I was being too paranoid. Yeah. And so I get outside at 7 a.m. and all of my clothes are gone. Oh, With no. the exception of like my socks. Um, and then maybe one more top, all of the clothes were gone. Um, and I was just, I was so confused. I was like, what happened to all my clothes? Um, and then, so I was just staring at the clothesline. And then a neighbor came up to me um, and started talking to me. And then I told, I told him about what happened to my clothes. And he's like, okay, well, maybe someone took it. But that's, that's not likely. Maybe someone actually, like, maybe someone from the complex came and took the clothes because it was a very windy night. Oh, um, okay. And they wanted to, to keep it safe. Um, and he's like, that's not likely. It's probably that someone um, actually stole your clothes. Um, but it was just very baffling to me because there is barbed wire around. There's a huge fence. So, so yeah, all, all my clothes were stolen. Um, but I was, I was really in disbelief that that happened for a while. And yeah. I didn't feel like there's anything I could do. Okay, so yeah, that is so all of your clothing was stolen. Uh, would you say that's kind of the mo the biggest thing that's happened while you've been away in Durban? So. <laughs> Okay, so I have another story. Okay. Um, there's usually this thing called First Thursdays at Durban. So people go out, um, they go to different art galleries, um, and there's usually a street where there's food markets outside. So I went for this event, um, mm -hmm. and I went to a restaurant um, slash bar, and I was with my friend, so I felt very comfortable. It's one of the um, nicest neighborhoods in Durban mm -hmm. um, that this restaurant is in. And so I was with my friends. I was with a bunch of people, so I was very comfortable. And I had a crossbody bag. Um, and then later in the night, I pulled out, I tried to pull out my phone, um, and then it was gone from my bag. Because I do remember putting it in my bag and closing my bag, but then mm. it was gone. And so then I, I went around looking for it in the restaurant, and I just couldn't find it. Um, yeah. And so... Someone saw me looking around and um, he motioned to talk to me. And so he pulled me inside and he said, you know, um, I've been seeing a group of people um, steal people's phones. Like when they're not looking, um, they, they will like reach into someone's pocket or their purse and then take their phones. And then it's usually a group effort. So one person gives it to another person and the other person immediately goes outside to the car and then takes the phone. So like, there's no, like the phone is not on them. Right. If you, if you're looking for it or if you call it. Um, and then he, he pointed to the person who he had seen do it. Um, but it was difficult to confront them. And my friends who were with me were like, you know, you can't say anything because it's possible that like they have knives or like, you can't, you can't like consistently yeah, approach them because it. it's possible that, yeah, it's not worth it possible they have mm -hmm. knives and stuff like that. So basically, my phone got pickpocketed from me, and it was it was more frustrating because, mm -hmm. like, someone saw the person do it, right. and then there was nothing that could have been done. Yeah, there's no recourse about it. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry so to hear was, that. Yeah, yeah, it's actually it's okay, it's fine because 
Um, I was able to repair my old phone and now I have a phone. But it's just, I think it's the feeling of powerlessness. Of mm-hmm. you, you know, like, who's doing what. Right. And that something wrong is happening. And it's yeah. happened to multiple people. But there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people who live here kind of have the mindset of like, oh, it's, it's okay. Like, don't, don't approach these people. Don't say anything. Right. So yeah, it was very difficult to, yeah. It sounds like culturally it's a bit different. I mean, people get pickpocketed and their phones in Canada all the time, but there might be more recourse or we might feel more empowered to go after but in Durban because of the safety concerns you just have to kind of let it happen I guess does that sound yeah 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 Yeah. and I think because it happens um often to people Mm -hmm. um and it happens to South Africans also all the time so it's more of a part of life there it sounds Mm -hmm. like okay um so I don't want to take up any more of your times I know it's late there but my final question for you is do you have any advice on mitigating some of these uh, possession mishaps, really? You've had your clothing stolen. You've had your phone stolen uh, for future interns in Durban, other than obviously, you know, maybe don't hang your clothes out overnight. Now they know. Uh, be super mindful of your phone. But is there any kind of like general lesson you can glean from some of the things that have happened to you during your time there? I think from the first scenario, it would be like, listen to your gut, because I mm-hmm. did have a feeling that it was like some that someone could steal my clothes, but I thought I was being paranoid. So just right. listening to your gut and being cautious. So like if you think that you need to do something to be safe, then do it like within reason. But like if you feel that you need to carry like a neck wallet and, and walk around then and like inside your clothes, like then that's fine. Like don't feel that you need to like that you're being overly paranoid. So listening to your gut and just being very cautious. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not about being paranoid all the time, um, but it's just more about taking the precaution and then just if something feels off, then you must protect yourself. Okay. Well, thanks, Adi Mufay. Um I'm sorry to hear that your money was stolen, your clothing was stolen, but I think future interns will benefit from your advice of not being paranoid, but listening to your gut and exercising caution whenever possible. And the final leg of our trip today takes us back to Canada. We're finishing off this adventure with Elliot Fonarev. Elliot was in Cape Town at Lawyers for Human Rights. There, they helped the gender equality and penal reform programs with strategic litigation cases and research. Now, they're back in chilly Toronto. Elliot. Hi, thanks for having me on the podcast. I hear you're back in Canada, where I imagine it's a little bit cooler than what you were used to in Cape Town. But we're not here to talk about that. We're going to focus on the not-so-glamorous moments of your international internship. But to begin with, what was the best part for you? There were so many great things in my experience uh, and being in Cape Town. It's really hard to just pick one. I bet. Um, <laughs> But I would say that um, one of one of the highlights was definitely, um, you know, going on um, a lot of hikes and seeing the natural beauty of the country in the Western Cape. Right. OK, so to be able to experience that. And what about for your work? Uh, what was the the your favorite moment of your internship? 
I think uh, one of my favorite moments um, at working at Lawyers for Human Rights was getting to um, go to the hearing of uh, a case uh, that the organization was working on, okay. um, seeing um, seeing it heard and seeing you know both sides actually argue in the quality courts uh, was really exciting and mm -hmm. interesting. And what type of case was that? The case was a um, discrimination case. Our client was a transgender woman who was um, held in a men's prison, um, mm -hmm. and she was seeking to be able to express her gender identity and um, be able to wear clothing and and uh, have you know, small amounts of items of her choice, um, such as makeup and hairbrushes and things that were afforded to female prisoners, but because mm -hmm. she was in a male prison, um, she was not allowed to have those things. Um, and so she was suing the, um, the, the prison and the, the minister of, um, correctional services, um, in equality court in okay. order to be able to um, have access to these things. I bet, yeah. And what type of work did you actually get to do on that case? So it sounds like a really important issue in South Africa, also in Canada. Um, what Can you just explain to our listeners um, your contribution? Yeah, so that uh, case was heard quite early on in my internship. Mm -hmm. So most of the legal work was already um, you know, done, and there was an advocate who was actually um, doing the oral submissions. Um, so I, I assisted in preparing things um, just for the hearing and also doing the more um, kind of public outreach around the hearing, um, right. just in the lead up to it. I made a press release. <laughs> I, um, I helped make a presentation for community groups and um, went with uh, the the staff lawyer on the file um, to different community groups to talk about the case um, and just uh, get uh, a lot of community support and attention behind um, the the applicant. So it sounds like you are not only flexing your legal skills but also some public relations skills as well. Yeah, that was fun um, yeah. and different and interesting to do. Mm -hmm. um, it was interesting to learn how and uh, I guess it was interesting to see how the um the other aspects of strategic litigation totally um, together besides mm. the well you know um stages of litigation um but the outside public engagement and um other things that uh yeah that that was really interesting it's not something I learned in law school. I don't know if that's something you learned in law school, but it's definitely something no. you don't think about. Yeah. So it sounds like your work over in South Africa was really validating. Did it all go smoothly or were there some on-the-job learning moments too? Um, I think there's always uh, learning moments, new areas of law, you know, different jurisdictions, uh, the way that things work in anywhere on the ground looks really different. Some of the learning moments I think were, you know, like going um, to court to file certain documents or to request certain documents and figuring out how 
the court system in Cape Town worked and right. who to go to and where to go in the court. That's like never something that you just find, you know, like any written information or training for. And um, every court works differently. And um, in South Africa, um, or at least in Cape Town, I did have to actually go in person to like find certain documents or to file certain documents whereas mm-hmm. in in Toronto during my articles I, I did a lot of correspondence um electronically that was different and yeah just getting used to the procedural elements um I think that was a, a, like a big learning curve mm-hmm. so the logistics of operating in a completely foreign country can be can be big, right? I wanted to switch gears now and talk a little bit um, more. You mentioned one of the highlights for you was actually just like living in Cape Town and experiencing the nature of the Cape and the hikes. I wanted to ask you about the living and the traveling in South Africa. Did you always feel safe? Were there moments that were scary or different for you? Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, I think traveling anywhere can be risky and exciting at the same Mm -hmm. time. There's a lot of unknowns um, and a lot of differences in terms of like, you know, how you might get from point A to point B or yeah, just lots of um, new things to try and figure out. So Mm -hmm. I I think like anywhere, I, I think it's really normal to be a little afraid of potential safety issues but I think overall I I didn't experience anything that made me feel particularly more unsafe than in other places even in Canada Mm -hmm. um important thing to keep in mind to just make sure um that you are traveling safe is just to try to read about the place that you're going or connect with people that um, have gone there, try to, you know, stay within the sort of guidelines that that you read, but also kind of keep your eye on the, or in your ear, like to the ground and see how things actually are. I think there's a lot of cautionary information out there about traveling within South Africa or parts of South Africa. Um, And I think some of it can actually be too cautious and Mm -hmm. I think it created a little bit too much paranoia um and then when you get there you're kind of like oh this is this is actually okay so but it's important to keep things in mind and make sure that you're you know traveling smartly Okay, that's some good advice. So do your research beforehand, and that can be through reading, but also through talking to people who have actually experienced it. And then when you get to uh, the country, make sure that you're really aware of your surroundings and take that research with uh, a grain of salt, for lack of better uh, word or expression, but, you know, to trust your own instincts and firsthand experience. Would that be fair? Yeah. Okay. So you've transitioned back to Canada now. What's that been like? Um, it's been cold. <laughs> yeah, aside from the cold, which I bet, um, now that you're back in your home country, have you experienced anything that didn't quite, I don't know, hit you while you were in Cape Town? Have you had any reflections now that you had some time um, away from the internship and the experience? Uh, I think the further in back 
the experience gets, the more small memories I, you know, pop up. Overall, I was doing a lot of reflecting while I was there. Do you find another position? Are you taking some time to look or did you have one waiting for you? I'm a research assistant right now at the um, Gender and Equality Institute um, at the Rotman School of Management um, in the University of Toronto. Um, and I'm working on the Transit Work uh, Initiative. Um, I'm doing that this summer and then I'm going to grad school in September. Oh, good for you. Where are you? What are you doing for? Are you doing law or are you doing something else in grad school? Uh, I'm actually doing a master's in sociology. Um, I'll be looking at law from a sociological lens. Hmm. Um, so I'm looking at like law and inequality and um, gender. Wow, that sounds fascinating. Good for you. So last question. It sounds like you're busy. I don't want to keep you from your research, but you're back. You have some distance. What would you tell people who are going to Cape Town to work at Lawyers for Human Rights? So you've told me that people should do their research before these types of experiences, before travel. So someone's coming to you and saying, hey, I'm doing exactly what you did. What would you tell people? Um, I would tell them to try to, again, look into a little bit of what uh, Lawyers for Human Rights um, does beforehand, talk to the lawyers there, talk to other interns who have gone there, be really excited. I think it's an amazing organization and uh, the work that they're doing is really interesting. And I would just say, be excited and be ready to jump on to anything. Okay, great. Well, on that note, thanks, Elliot, and welcome back to Canada. Welcome home. Thank you. Our journey over to the continent of Africa is done for the day. And it's my biggest dream to get there for real quite soon, I hope. We've learned all about how to manage both the legal and the life side of when things go wrong when you're very far away from home. I'd love to hear from you how you've managed stressful travel situations, particularly if they pertained to your legal career in some way. Tweet to us at CBA underscore news, or you can reach me at my handle at MarliseSS. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to receive notifications for new episodes. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. We also have a podcast in French called Je Risse Blanchet. If you're interested in the Young Lawyers International Program, visit our site, cba.org slash YLIP to find out more. Stay tuned for our final episode featuring this internship program where we'll be talking with alumni and learning their takeaways. Thanks for listening. Thank you.